Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Hi guys. How you doing? I'm Shannon. Um, I guess my title here is lead pastor. I'm still getting used to that. Uh, And I'll just let you know something about me. I would prefer to be called Shannon. Um, That's my first name. My first name isn't Pastor. Um, so if you feel the need out of respect to call me pastor, then I'll submit to your need. Um, and you can call me whatever you like. I, ha- I did youth ministry for the last 15 years, so I've got kids who call me Shanene. Um, <laughs> like, you call me whatever you want, and I'll probably respond, okay? Are we okay with that? Yeah. Okay, so my name is Shannon. Um, I-, I would say that more often than I would like to admit, I'm not a good listener. Uh, this will happen sometimes, uh, again, more often than I would like to admit with Leslie, uh, my wife at home, where she'll be talking to me about something, and I, I want to be a good listener, but I don't even recognize that I've turned into the, mm-hmm, or something's going on in the background, or I start to fill in her sentences. Uh, every once in a while, she'll notice that I'm no longer listening, and she'll start to say weird things. Like, and then the, uh, then the elephant stepped on my head. Wait, what? Oh, you're listening now. Okay, okay, good. Or then I put the monkey back in the cage. Like, she'll just catch me, and I'm like, oh, come on, again? Uh, I'm not listening. You guys ever been with somebody who's not listening to you? Uh, do you know what it's like? Um, to ha- even somebody have you ask, like, they ask you a question, and then three words into your answer, you know, they're not listening to your answer. Um, you ever been annoyed by that? Anybody never been with somebody who's not listening to you? Because if that's the case, you're probably that person, right? You're, you're probably the person who is not a good listener. On the flip side, though, what's it like to have somebody who is, like, uh, laser-focused in on you? And they ask you a question, and then they pay attention, and they look you in the eyes, and they're, they're squared up, and they're, they're with you. And you can tell they're with you. There's two kinds of people, like... People who, are, who drift off and are not very good listeners, and then uh, people who are really good listeners. And we are both kinds of people, aren't we? Um, hopefully, uh, we tend to be good listeners sometimes. But that's, there's a huge difference in being, um, being next to somebody and being present with somebody. Do you agree with that? Being there with somebody and actually listening to them. What would it look like to be that kind of person? To be the kind of person who listens. To be the kind of person who is present with somebody. First, I think it takes some humility on our part to recognize we don't know everything. We don't know how the sentence finishes. right? So when I jump in on what Leslie's saying, she's right here and she could nod to this. When I jump in and try and finish her sentence, more often than not, I'm right. (laughs) Or not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> more often than not, I have no idea what I'm saying. And she'll like, hey, do you want to listen to what I'm saying, or do you want to just fill in my story for me? Okay? So we have to be humble enough to say, I don't know how the sentence finishes. I want to hear what you have to say. Um, and then we actually have to want to understand people. We have to de- have a desire to say, where are you coming from? What are you going to say next? And what do you mean by that? We, we have to be people who like, want to be sponges um, and listen. 
So this often goes out the window when conversations get tense. Have you ever noticed this? Like when, when conversations get tense and when conflict enters the room, we stop listening. Something happens to us and we either have this reaction that says, i got to get out of here, or I'm going to get defensive and fight back. But we, we stop listening. Something actually triggers in our body physiologic, physiologically that says, fight or flight. I'm either I'm going to stand toe-to-toe and I'm going to knock you out, or I'm going to run away from this. But we stop, we stop listening. This is part of the reason that when we did uh, mission trips in youth ministry for years and years and years, the training that we would give our students uh, as we go abroad, as we go internationally, is to say, your job is to be learners, to be servants, and then to be storytellers in that order. We want to be learners because we're going into a different culture. We're dealing with people who are different from us, and often different becomes wrong, right? Often different is just, you're different than I am, and that's, that's just weird and wrong. So I teach, we taught, um, let's be learners. Let's try and understand the culture that we're jumping into. And then we want to serve. We say, once I understand what the needs are, then I can get sweaty um, in, in service. And then we also want to be storytellers. Once I have listened, once I have served, then maybe I earned the right uh, to tell my story and uh, help you get to know me and who I'm coming from and the God that I love and the God that I serve. So in that order. Um, Americans are notorious for being bad travelers abroad. You guys know that? We don't do a good job. It, like We go to Paris and they were like, why does everybody talk funny here? Like, Yeah. <laughs> Okay, thank you for proving the point. We expect people to be like us instead of taking the posture of somebody who wants to listen, somebody who wants to pay attention, someone who wants to soak it in. And James says in this uh, section this morning, everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And so honestly, we could take one whole sermon on that verse. Uh, It's been done before. It should be done. But part of what we're doing in James is we're walking through the whole landscape of James. And so we want to take a look at this verse in the context, in the surroundings. Like, what happened before this verse and what happens after this verse? And does it mean something? What does that apply to this verse? So we just talked last week about, uh, James was talking about temptation and sin and how Temptation comes from desires within us. Like we can't blame our situation, our circumstances, the people in our lives who have hurt us. Like temptation is ours to own. It comes from our own desires, and our own desires, when we feed them, give way to our own disobedience. So temptation leads to our sin, and then our sin leads to death. So James does this uh, desire, disobedience, death progression. And he comes right off of that, and he says, but... Where sin gives birth to death, God gives us life. God brings us life. And he says, he brings us life through the word of truth. Which is, I want to soak in God's word. And I want to soak in Jesus. That's what James is talking about. And then he moves right on. I don't think it's a coincidence that he says, so I want you to listen. If God brings us to life by his word, it makes sense that the next thing James says would be, so listen, right? Don't be, don't be quick to speak. Don't be quick to become angry. So I want to read this passage, and then I want to dive into what's going on in the context here 
about uh, what James is talking about. It says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, part of, sometimes what we do here, it's not every week, but sometimes we'll stand when we read scripture, just out of kind of a, a reverence to God's word, and a, hey, this, this is a word that gives, gets more respect than any other word spoken here. So would you guys stand with me? Um, and we'll read this section in James. James 1, starting in verse 19, says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, or he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but uh, he deceives his heart, this person's religious is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Thanks, guys. You can have a seat. Let's pray. Father, there is so much going on here in James. We want to be people who have a faith that does something. We want to be people who are not just passive in our allegiance to you, but are active. We want to be people who love well. Help us this morning to be hearers so that we can live our lives as hearers and doers. Um, Wake us up. Poke us where you want to. Uh, We submit to you and we want to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we spent the first section of James asking, how do we respond to trials and temptations? And if we uh, take these verses as a whole that we just read, Maybe the question becomes, so how do we respond to God's word? How do we respond to God's voice in our life? Uh, Trials and temptations, we covered that. And now we're moving into, how do we respond when God says something to us? And David Platt, I think, I found him super helpful as I was looking into this and studying this. He says, uh, we approach God's word three ways. We do it humbly. We do it constantly. And then he says, we do it wholeheartedly. We do it humbly, constantly, and wholeheartedly. So that's, those are the three things that we're going to talk about this morning. What does it look like to approach God's word with humility? What does it look like to approach God's word with constancy? And what does it look like to approach it with, with all of who we are, with our whole hearts? Okay? James 1.19 says, Know this, my brothers, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And I think he's saying this because our natural bent is he's talking to real people. And I think he's talking to us today. So often our natural bent is to approach God's word uh, sometimes like we approach other people. Like we're not really listening. We often come to God's word saying, this is what I want to hear. I have my own set of thoughts and I'm going to import them into what I'm reading, right? We're not, we're not really paying attention. We're not really digging in to what God might say to us. We say, here's what I want you to say. 
We often come to God's word looking to justify our own thoughts, our own actions, our own behaviors, our own positions. And we say, here, I could take this, and God would defend me in that. Instead of saying, really, God, what do you have to say? There are times when Leslie's talking to me, and I feel this tension, that I get so defensive right away that I, I stop listening. And I, I stop listening to what she's saying, and I actually start listening to how I could defend myself. What's going to be the next thing that I say? So if we do that with God's word, it starts to be like, I read, and I say, yeah, but. Yeah, but this. And I, I get really good at the yeah, buts. Do you guys do that? Do you, ever, do you ever read God's word and say, yeah, but? Say, I don't, I don't want that to be true for me. I don't want to dig in harder because I'm afraid if I do that, I'm going to recognize God might actually be poking me this morning. We get caught reading the Bible, not really listening. So what if we stopped that? What if we started to approach God's word with a kind of humility that says, say what you want to say. God, if you want to speak to me, if you have something to say to me, would you let me hear it? Would you let me hear it? And if it hurts me, then I trust that you will hurt me in all the right ways. I'll trust that you're not just punishing me because you're some kind of sick, sadistic, cosmic being that just loves to zap lightning on people. I'll trust that when you hurt me, it's for my health. Like shots hurt little kids. They don't want them, right? But their intent is to help. You go to the doctor and kids are scared because sometimes it hurts. But you take the medicine and it helps. You ever had a tetanus shot? It hurts, but it helps. So what if before we started reading the Bible, we prayed a really simple prayer that said this, Father, I'm listening. I want to hear. Would you help me hear? I think that would change our whole posture toward it. And say, I need to be humble enough to say, I'm reading this and I don't know everything. I'm reading this and I think God might have something for me. God might want me to understand this better. God might want uh, uh, something new to pop into my head. Or maybe God just wants to say something that I've already learned, but he's like, hey, this... Bring this back up again. Okay? So, God, I'm listening. James continues in 21. He says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Can I um, tell you something really cool, which is kind of gross and kind of funny and, like, um, equal parts awesome? Uh, when I was studying this this week, um, one thing that I learned was this word that he uses for filthiness had a connection to earwax. Okay? That's an odd connection. But James is on this listening track. So it's so cool what he does. He says, remove all filthiness. What he's talking about, part of it is, we get wax buildup in your ear, in our ears. What happens when your ears get full of wax? Like this Shrek thing that comes out and is like, blah. Okay? You can't hear. So James isn't just saying, get rid of sin because sin is bad. Like, well, that's how we approach sin often. He's saying, get rid of sin because it stops you from hearing God. Get rid of the stuff in your life that causes you to not be able to hear from God. If there's stuff that's blocking you. Now, sometimes we're like that little kid, like, la, 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 I can't hear you. Even when we approach God, we do that. 
James says, pull them out. Take a big spiritual Q-tip and get that glop out of your ear. Because it, it may not teach you anything new, but it will allow you to hear, maybe for the first time, things that have been blocked from before. It says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. What blocks you from hearing God? I think it's uh, different for all of us. All of us have sin in different areas of our life. All of us have different kinds of sin. Sin has this way of blocking it. So what, what is that for you? And you might be able to point it out to say, man, when I'm thinking like this, or when I'm doing this kind of activity, when I, I stop hearing God, or I get this God flyby, and I'm like, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, because I'm, I'm focused right here right now. What is it for you? And what would it look like for you to say, because I want to hear God, I'm going to be done. I'm going to stop playing. I'm going to be done, and I'm going to get rid of that because I want, I want my ears unplugged. We don't need to have it all together. We don't need to get defensive when God starts talking. Sometimes we think, how can I get around this, what God has just said? And we don't, we don't need to get around it. Like, why would we ever want to get around the life that God wants to breathe into us? So James talks about this implanted word. Receive this word that's implanted in you. And it helps us to understand, like James was a Jew. And then James recognized that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. Jesus was God. And he's speaking from that perspective. And he's got all these... Um, All this memory coming from the Jewish prophets. And this one passage in Jeremiah, uh, in Jeremiah 31, says, Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. A covenant they broke even though I had married them. The Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with my house of Israel after those days. I will put my teaching within them. Write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So his word gets personal. God says, I want to write my word on your heart. And I think that's maybe what James is referencing. It says this implanted word. So this is God writing on your heart. Not just giving you a list of laws to follow, a checklist and a do this and a don't do that. But I want to write my law on your heart to say you are mine and I'm giving you life and I want you to live with that kind of blessing with that kind of God and that kind of love we don't have any need to dodge we don't have any need to dodge what he would say so we say God speak I'll listen we receive it humbly and then we go on and say how can I How can I approach God's word constantly? What does it look like to receive the word of God constantly in my life? James 1.22 through 25 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And I think he might be addressing a group like us. Like we come and we hear the word. And then we walk out and we don't do anything with it. And he says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For, any, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like. 
but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Friday, I picked my girls up from school, um, and uh, I had Elena and Lucia and Micah in the car and just said, what are we going to do? Let's go take a drive. And we drove over to Lake Kiganza State Park, a uh, really beautiful park. Unknowingly, last year we went camping there, um, and it was kind of weird for me to think a year ago I had no idea that we would be right here right now, and that's pretty cool how God does stuff. But we took this nature trail together, me and the kids. Uh, you ever been with kids on a nature hike? They spend most of the time like this. And like, come on, guys, let's keep walking. No, look at this leaf. This is cool. It's a leaf. That's great. No, this leaf has some sort of fungus on it. Oh, that makes it better. Let's check out that fungus. Right? Dad, I want to find a toad. Can we pick it up? Like, yeah, but they're tricky and their kids don't walk like on a nature trail, very quickly. It's not a race. For them, what are they doing? They're looking down. They're seeing what they can find. They're looking at stuff. Lucy wants to find the perfect hiking stick. Uh, I don't know that it helped her that much, but it just to be able to have something, that's hers, and she's in command now, and she's good, and stop hitting your brother. Okay? <laughs> Kids on a nature hike look intently, and sometimes I get so driven, I'm like, come on, come on, come on. And it helps me, and it helps my case when I said, I forgot bug spray. So, like, keep moving, because the mosquitoes, they're going to get you. And we're, okay. Sometimes kids are way better at this than adults, right? Sometimes kids are really good at just being able to focus wherever they are, and adults are like, what's the next thing? How can I keep moving? And James says, look intently. Stop and slow down and look intently. Let's not rush past stuff when we read it in the Bible. We, we get caught with that so often, especially if you've grown up in a church, um, and this is not new to you. We have this tendency to read the Bible and be like, yeah, I got that. Next. Um, or I've even, okay, so weird, um, weird confession. Sometimes I'll read books, and if they quote scripture, I skip it because I know it already. That's a bad deal, right? That's, um, I shouldn't have told you that. Okay. <laughs> Bad deal. Why, why do we do that? Because we, we're not looking intently. We're like, I, wanna, I want the fastest route from here to there. And I, I'm just going to go. So let's not rush past. When God has something to say to us, let's pause long enough that we'd be able to see, that we'd be able to hear. James talks about looking in the mirror and then walking away and forgetting. You ever listen like this? Like you really are listening but then you walk away and you, you call home and you're like, hey, what were those three things that you wanted me to buy at the store? I, I, was, I promise I was listening to you. And I know that my memory should be able to remember three things. But right now I'm missing one of them. I cannot remember. It's kind of like that, I think. You look and you pay attention and then you walk away and you forget. And, and we do this all the time. And James knows this. And I think that's why he says, do it over and over and over and over and over again. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says, Listen, listen, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. 
talk about them when you sit at your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. God's saying, what I tell you, remember. And I know you're forgetful. I'm not going to hold that against you. But like, put it all around. One of the coolest ways that I've, uh, that I've learned to remember scripture, remember God's word, is to take a dry erase marker and write it on the bathroom mirror. And when that happens, I mean, every time you look in the mirror, you're looking straight at a verse, maybe that you want to remember. And if you want to test yourself or get better at remembering it, just take your finger and wipe out a word. And then keep going and remember what that word was. Uh, eventually, uh, you can wipe out the whole thing after a week or so, and you got, you got the verse memorized. Uh, and then it's time to clean your mirror. Okay, But uh, God says, everywhere you go, put reminders of my word in your life. And not just spiritually, like, this is a cool idea, but, like, put it in your car and put it in your house and put it on a bracelet. WWJD bracelets took off when I was in high school and college, and they're really cliche, but they served a purpose in, in some way to say, I want to remember. I want to remember. Sometimes people get tattoos that say, this, this is what God spoke to me, and I want to remember this. And I, I never want to forget this. I want it to be a part of me. As if God is writing it on my heart, I'm just going to get it on my arm or wherever that I can't show you. Okay? We, sorry. Sorry. I, uh, we tend to remember the things that are the most valuable to us. Or at least the things that play over and over and over in our world. Like, I'm not going to say that Frozen was really valuable to a lot of you. But how many of you memorized the words to let it go because it played over and over and over in your car? Okay. Nobody? Really? I'm alone there? Okay. I can't get it out of my head sometimes. Uh, I've been listening to Duke Otherwise lately, um, which is really cool. Have you guys heard him? Uh, really cool. Um, uh, Noah serves our kids often. He's got this uh, duplicitous life that he leads with Duke Otherwise, and he sings uh, kid music. You should pick it up. It's so creative, but I'll warn you, it gets in your head and it won't go away. And you start uh, listening to like songs like uh, like Brussels Sprout Shout. You're like, I, I have this is making my brain mush right now, <laughs> but it's there. We remember stuff when it plays over and over and over and over and over, and when we care about it. So what if we made what if we made God's word like that? What if we made God's word unavoidable in our life? So I want to remember this, and I'm not good at remembering. I'm not good at memorizing scripture, but I'm going to put it everywhere so I can't get away from it. When I was newly married, uh, I would write uh, passages of scripture on my biking glove, and I'd go out and I'd look down at my glove and remember, and then pedal a little bit more and look down and remember and pedal a little bit more. And husbands, love your wives. And I'd go through that whole section and say, I want to be the kind of husband that loves well. Uh, actually, at one point, memorized this first, the first section of James to say, I want to be the kind of person who goes through trials, considering them joy. And I don't do that naturally, but I want to do it over and over and over and over so that I can't avoid it. It's so important for us to memorize scripture. And you can't just cram it once and then be done. Anybody here ever do theater? So I minored in theater in college, it really surprised me because I didn't do a lick of theater in high school or any, like I was in a church musical one time in fifth grade and I was the narrator because I was afraid to act. 
And then my freshman year in college, the head of the theater department, I had to take a beginning acting class as like my fine arts deal. And the head of the theater department called me in my dorm room one night and said, hey, I'm, I'm just casting. We're not doing auditions. We're going to go and do You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, and I think you'd be perfect for Pigpen. <laughs> well, no, cool, I guess. So, so I jumped in, and I, it was really, really fun, and I ended up minoring in it. But uh, through acting classes and, um, and plays and stuff, one thing that I learned by painful experience is you can't memorize lines the night before. Even if at 2 o'clock you got it, 2 o'clock in the morning, like you got it nailed, you wake up, and when class time hits at 10 a.m., and you get on stage to perform your monologue, I got nothing. This is what scripture memory is like. If you just cram it and then go away from it, it's not going to be with you. The, the best way that I found to do lines was to go over and over and over that day and then the next day, and then the next day, well in advance of when I needed it. So when I needed it, it was there. It was second nature. It got to be the point where I would do my lines as fast as I possibly could, way, like, three times faster than I would ever do it on stage, because I wanted to do it without thinking. I wanted to be able to say it without thinking, so that when I was in the moment, I could really think, and I could really feel, and I could deliver it as if I was that person. What if we approach scripture that way? What if we approach God's word and says, I want to be able to just go for it and go as fast as I can and say, you, you identify a verse and I got it. Not so that I can like climb up a ladder and say, look at me, I'm so holy and spiritual, but so that if I ever needed it, it'd be right there. It'd be second nature. It'd be right there that I could say, um, I spent time remembering this and it applies right here, right now. James says, we look at it constantly. We do it humbly to say, I don't, I don't know everything. God, speak to me. We do it constantly that says, I forget so often, and I want to be ready when stuff happens. And then we obey it wholeheartedly. James says in 122, this is, this is the key verse in the whole book of James. James 122 is, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. This is what um, Platt says. Those who have accepted Jesus, obey Jesus. To think any differently is to live in deception. (laughs) To say, I have accepted Jesus, but then to live contrary to Jesus is to deceive yourself. James says, you're blind to your true spiritual condition. If you claim to have heard and received and accepted his word, and yet you fail to act on it, you're deceiving yourself. For you think you're right with God because you listened to the word. Maybe even because you listened intently. But according to James, you're wrong. Don't just listen. Do something with it. You don't, you haven't received it if you're not doing something with it. That is very different from people who would say, keep trying harder, keep trying harder, keep trying harder, and someday God will accept you. Right? God says, I want to put my word in you. Will you receive it? You say, yes, and it changes you. And the fruit of that change shows up in your life. If you accept Jesus, 
if you pray a prayer and you think everything has changed, but nothing has changed, then what has changed? That is not to say those moments of prayer are not intentionally meaningful. Or uh, a, lot of, a lot of people have had intense, uh, intense times of prayer where they, felt, where they felt God come into their life. And I want to be able to celebrate that. But I want to also be able to say, now let's see it in action. Now let's see what it does. Because it should take over. It should transform us. And we should start being different because of it. Jesus said something pretty similar, actually, in Matthew 7. He said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of the Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and do many miracles in your name? And then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, The winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed, and its collapse was great. One of the last lessons um, that I ever taught students before I left Fond du Lac was this one. I don't care if you never learn another Bible verse, if you start applying what you have already learned. I think so many of my kids back in Fond du Lac knew the Bible And if they never learned anything new the rest of their life, they would be able to simply take what they had learned and put it into practice. Now, that's exaggeration, okay? I want you to learn more stuff. I want you to learn new stuff. But if somehow the Bible was yanked from us and we couldn't learn anything new, I think we would have enough. I think we would have enough to say, with what I have heard from God, if I just simply apply that for the rest of my life, I'll keep growing every day. One of the biggest complaints in youth group, and I think you might be able to get it in church sometimes, we'll see, is I've heard all this before. And I would say, good, are you doing it? Well, no, but I want to really dig in and I want to learn something like more challenging. Boy, why? Like if you're not doing what you already know, then what's the point in learning more? Right? What's the point in learning more if you're not doing what, you've, what you already know God has said to you? And James says, don't just hear. Also do. You put yourself in position to hear. You, you make yourself humble and say, God, speak to me. And I want to I remember it constantly. I don't want it to be away from it. But if that's all I ever do, James says, you, haven't, you don't get it. You don't get it. He says, be hearers and be doers. If your spiritual life is built on merely listening to the words of Jesus and not obeying them, then one day your life will eternally and ultimately end in destruction. The danger is you're going to think you're okay all the way up until the end. If you just hear and you don't do. To hear and not take action is to lie to yourself. So, it's not about trying harder. 
It's about receiving what God wants to give you. But then allowing it to penetrate so deeply that it changes you. It says, I want to live differently. I want to be different. I want to be transformed. God, would you change me? Would you, would you let me hear? And then may I be the kind of person that does it. So James moves on. He says, here's a litmus test. Here's a litmus test. If you want to be somebody who is not just a hearer but a doer, try this on. In verse 26, he says, if anyone thinks he's religious, or he's saying, if anyone thinks you're worshiping God, or you're really spiritual, or you're following Jesus, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his heart. Okay, so James, number one on the litmus test says, if you say you follow Jesus, how do you talk? Do you talk in a way that builds uh, people up? Do you talk in a way that um, you could cut out 50% of the words you use and it would still mean the same thing? You guys hear what I'm saying? I, I worked in a factory for a year and a half and my co-laborers, you could cut out 50% of what they said and it would mean the same thing, meaningless adjectives. Okay? Sometimes we talk like that and it just doesn't do anything. Um, but the other part is we can talk all pretty and all church-like and we get really good at talking like church, but the words that we say bite, the words that we say bite people needlessly. Like it's one thing to challenge people with God's word because you love them and because you really have a relationship and you're caring for them. It's another word to say God said it and you beat him with it. Like that, that is not God's heart. So how are you talking, James says, and he goes on. He says, if, any, if anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. He says, how, how are you doing at caring for people? How are you doing at helping people? Not just having your heart swell, but at lending aid to people, especially people who are in the most distressed. Do you walk by? Do you not want to get messy? Do you want to say, I, I've got so much stuff going on. I've got to... How are you doing at helping people? At actively loving people? James says, this is the kind of stuff that God cares about. You want to be a hearer and a doer. You get your hands messy in people's lives, especially the people who get kicked to the margins, especially the people who maybe can't speak for themselves, especially people who are crying out and I, I, I need, would somebody hear me? He says, visit widows and orphans in their affliction and then to keep oneself unstained from the world. James is going to talk about both of these things coming up in the uh, coming chapters. But he says, how are you doing at loving people and how are you doing it in your own heart? Are you still dancing with the world? Like wearing Sunday shoes? Or are you turning that in like a new wardrobe and saying, God, I want to live this kind of life? That old life is gone. I want to put on this new one. That if you are, this is not about perfection, but this is about saying, I want to be intentional in the way that I live. It seems weird to talk about this, and I don't even know how to say this. Um, uh, any of you guys have Facebook feeds that are blowing up on Syria right now and the refugee crisis? I looked through it and I saw a three-year-old on a beach and I have a two-year-old. And people are like, my heart is breaking. And I think that's a good response. But then 
like I read James and I start to think, but it's not good enough for James. James would say, more than your heart swell, are you doing something about it? So I started to think last night. I'm like, well, we're, like, we're the church. Could we do anything? Syria is a long way away. I've never been to Syria. I don't know anything hardly about the country, but people are in need. People are fleeing because of a civil war and so many, so many, so many, so many people have already lost their lives and they're getting on boats that are overfilled and the boats are sinking and they, they have, their kids are dying on the way to try and find some sense of freedom. And I read an article last night that said Syrians already consider themselves dead. They're in such a miserable spot that they consider themselves dead. And I start to think, what, what would James say? Do something. I don't even know what to do. So um, talk to the elders quick last night, and I want to throw it by you and say, I don't know what we're doing yet. But I, I find it really hypocritical right now. This might just be me personally and my own issue, and i got to do something with it. But I find it hypocritical to say, yeah, we want to be hearers and doers. And then this is a huge thing going on in our world. And we say, uh, bummer. So in the next week or so, are you guys okay if we start to form a plan to say, let's do something. We can't do everything. We wish we could do something for everybody. Maybe we could do something for some. And where has God put us in a position? How could, how could we do something and then we as a church could rally to say, we're in this. We're not going to fix the problem. We're not going to, you know, like, you know, all of a sudden, all of us are buying plane tickets to Syria, and we're going to go over and um, help everybody understand Jesus, and the whole thing will be fixed. And, you know, but let's do something. You guys okay with that? I want to be a person who hears and does. James says, hear and do something. Our faith does something. I don't want to be the guy who gets to the store with a list and says, now nah, I'm going to do my own thing. And I don't want to approach God that way. I don't want to be the kind of guy who opens up the Bible, reads and says, now nah, I'm going to do my own thing. I want to hear it, and I want to do something with it. Hear and do, humbly, constantly, and wholeheartedly. Can we be like that? Let's pray. Father, you... You don't hide from us. You are a God who who comes to us, who meets us, who tells us what you're like, who tells us the life that you're giving us. You don't hide. You don't want to remain a mystery. I'm so grateful that you speak to us, that you are personal. And I pray that we would be the kind of people who really, really, really listen to you. Who want to hear from you, even if it hurts. That we would listen. And I pray that we would not end there. 
that we'd be the kind of people who listen intently and then do something about it. May the seed that you plant in us grow so that we bear fruit, so that our lives look differently because of who you are and how you're changing us. Would you turn us into that kind of people? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.